Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. We're going to be without our co-host, Richard Geiger, for this week, as he is off in the jungle hunting big game, or possibly just busy with other things. <laughs> uh, but he will be back soon enough, good listeners, and we will give you back your dynamic duo. But until then, we are here for another comic movie movie review movie review ah, yes <clears throat> it's first of the year i'm kind of excited um dc's under a lot of changes right now so i don't know if i can really consider this the last of the old guard or the first of the new guard or it's its own guard but it, it is a sequel so i'm going to consider it kind of the the tail end of the previous version of the dcu we are dealing with aquaman and the lost kingdom now for those of you just joining into the joy that is the comic book movie review that we do, it is incredibly elaborate and scientific. We will break the film down into several categories, talking about the cast, director, costuming and props, location, scores, cinematography, plot, and writing. All will get their own points that could potentially add up to a total score of 100. Yes, you are saying that is amazing. It is scientific. I believe that you have found the most awesome way of reviewing movies. And I say to you, thank you. I've been waiting to hear that for, for some time now. And I, I cannot tell you how much that, that it warms my heart for you to say that about my, uh, <laughs> my movie reviews. But before we get into the nitty gritty, we will always give kind of a, a spoiler free review to kind of give a general idea. Is this something that you should see in the theaters? Is this something you should wait for streaming? Is this something you should ignore completely? Um, now, by the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be out of theaters anyway, but we're going to still abide by our standard way of doing things. So just generally speaking, if you saw the previous Aquaman, I think this Aquaman is of a comparable quality level. So if you saw that previous film and enjoyed it in the theater, you should see it in the theater again. Um, now for me, I think this is something that the average viewer that may not be a comic book fan could probably wait to see on streaming, uh, possibly even giving it a complete pass. Um, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's the best way that I could, but it's, it's okay. Um, but, uh, now that you have that, we're going to go into the spoiler section. So we're going to talk about things in the film. If you have not seen the film yet, you may want to come back after you have seen it. And then we'll get, uh, we'll get some, uh, cross opinions. You know, you can tell us what you think on social media. I usually say this at the end of the episode, but don't forget we're on, we're on all of them. Basically we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We love to hear reactions, see what people think. Uh, but let's just jump into it. <clears throat> so let's start with the cast. Uh, I always prefer to start there anyway. Um, a lot of the previous cast is returning uh, to the current film. Uh, there's a handful of new faces, but if you liked the previous casting, you'll like this casting. And there's just no two ways about it. There is a great deal of talent that is in this film. Uh, Jason Momoa, I've always liked. I think he's just got an immense amount of charisma. He's uh, he, he definitely is able to fill the screen. I've always liked Patrick Wilson. Um, he does a great job. Uh, Abdul Mateen, uh, I liked previously as Black Manta. I still like him as Black Manta. Um, now, whether you like Amber Heard as a person outside of the realm of what her performance is, we're going to leave that outside of this. Uh, I, I'm just talking about the film itself 
and the quality. And uh, I think she did, did good. I mean, she did fine. Um, they didn't give her a lot of screen time. She only had a little bit. So it's, it's hard to get a, a full read on quality. But for the time that she was there, good. Nicole Kidman, similarly, didn't have a lot of screen time. But the screen time she had, she was solid. Uh, the absolute gem uh, of the film, uh, in my mind, is Randall Park. He stole every scene he was in. Uh, he's just really, really relatable. I don't know if that's the right word, but something about his performances tend to attract me. Uh, my eyes always go right to him. I just I just really like him whenever I see him. Um, maybe if I had to give a second runner-up to that, that probably would go to Tamura Morrison. Uh, as Tom Curry, he did, he did a pretty solid job. Uh, Dolph Lundgren as King Narius. I mean, he wasn't, again, in a ton of scenes, but, you know, did what he needed to do. A little cheesy, a little over the top, but it's that part, so it, it's fine. Um, if you don't know who uh, the Kingfish is, that's Martin Short. I love Martin Short in anything. He tends to be pretty excellent. Uh, the uh, uh, Brian King, if you don't recognize that voice, obviously John Reese davies I adore John Reese davies He is just... He has got a voice that is so identifiable and just awesome. And I just love seeing him in anything. I mean, yeah, it's CGI. I would like to have seen him for real, but, you know, whatever. At least we got a little bit of a performance from him. I'll, I'll take it, you know, what I can get. Uh, and actually, we got a decent amount of Johnny Zhao um, as a Stingray. Now, she's not really named in the film. You you never hear her called Stingray. So unless you're looking on IMDb, you would generally have no idea that that was her character name. But she got to be present in several scenes, and she got to have a big battle scene. Solid, you know? Um, so in terms of the quality of casting, the quality of the casting was pretty solid. Everybody seemed to be putting in a decent amount of effort. So there were a couple people that looked like were kind of maybe just – just a little off, but I'm not. I'm. I'm for the most part not putting that on them. I would say that's probably a fault, uh, either somewhere in the writing or possibly in the directing side of things. Um, I mean, it could be. It could be on the side of the actors, but I don't. I don't think so. Most of these individuals are such professionals and so good. Um, I. I just can't see. I can't see the fault being in their laps. Uh, so we're going to try and keep this episode a little shorter because, it, you know, we don't have the, the bounce back between me and Richard. So I'm going to kind of go through each of these categories pretty quick. Uh, so out of a score of 20, I'm going to give this a 15. Let's jump to the director. The director of this is James Wan. Now, this was something that we knew was going to happen uh, for a while coming up to it. Normally, I like to be kind of surprised as much as I can be on a film. Um, but you know, like I said, knew this was coming and James Wan, ha if you don't know who this individual is, if you're a fan of the Saw films, uh, if you're a fan of the Saw films, you know who he is, but, uh, you know, producer on all of those. But if you're talking about director specifically, he's been the director of quite a number of films. He was the director of the original Saw. He was the director of Insidious and of... Uh, the Conjuring 2, uh, Furious 7, and of course the original Aquaman film. So going into this, 
um, I had the expectation that he would do just about as well as he did last time because, for the most part, I don't like his films. Now, that's not necessarily a knock on his directorial capabilities. It could just be a taste thing um, because, generally, uh, I, I don't like um, you know body horror, that sort of thing. A lot of horror films are just kind of lame. It's really hard for me to enjoy a good horror movie. It's got to be really good. It's got to have something different or be really cheesy. Go to an extreme of some kind in a certain direction. So most of them don't hit me. So that's not a fault uh, A fault generally in the creation of the film. It's just a, a taste thing. Um, so I was going into this with the expectation of the only thing that he had done that was not something that I had seen that was uh, horror related was either between uh, Basically, it's just Aquaman because I saw the first couple of Furious films and hated them. So I did not watch any of the other million Fast and Furious films they made. Um, but all that said, did he do the job of adapting the material, understanding the characters, uh, helping to uh, create uh, an environment where it seems like the, the actors could gel and perform off of each other in the best way, do the editing. You know, I always throw in editing because it's technically not the director's job to edit, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm putting them as a team in this one. There are a number of editors, but how did the editing go, all that sort of stuff. It was okay. Uh, <laughs> I think they, they got the general, just like I said, did about as good as the last film. <clears throat> Nothing jumped out at me. The The actors seemed to, some of them seemed to really gel together well, and others, not so much. Um, some of the cuts were really weird. Some of the choices for the scenes were a little strange. Um, it just felt disjointed in a lot of places. It felt like the pacing was off. Um, it just, I mean, it's one of those things where it wasn't, it wasn't something that's going to ruin the film on its own. Um, but it's also going to be one of those things that I don't feel it's one of those things that contributes to what makes me not feel like I ever have to see this film again. Um, so, you know, with something like that, I'm going to, I mean, I can't detract too much off of that. I'm going to give him a nine out of a 15 on the director side of things. Of course, like I said, including the editors into that because a lot of that was an editing issue and isn't directly necessarily in the lap of Mr. Juan. Um, then we're going to go to costuming and props. Costuming and props. I felt, I think I mentioned this in the review of the previous Aquaman film, that the throwback uh, uniform, not uniform, but the throwback costume that they gave to Aquaman where it was, you know, the really bright gold and green you know, it's fun in one sense. It's kind of uh, triggering old memories of the original cartoon and some of the comics and stuff. But it's it looks so bad. It looks so bad. Um, it is not a good design choice. I don't think it complements uh, Momoa's physique um, or his skin complexion. I don't think it blends with the background very well. It looks like it's made out of rubber. Um, not, not a good design in my estimation. Um, and it's really, and it distracts because it's so bright, it draws the eye. And so even if there's excellent stuff around it, you end up looking at that and it just looks bad. Um, the mirror costume, 
was solid in the previous film. They kept the same design, still good. Um, uh, the part that really shines on that costume design, I still think, is that Black Manta costume. That looks so slick. It was so slick. Um, I really love the helmet because that is, you know, the, funny enough, I mean, they, they have two characters, costumes, that in the original comics, like the old Golden Age, Silver Age comics, were so cheesy, so hard to adapt. And it's, it's kind of funny to watch them succeed so well with one and fail so well with a, so badly with another. Um, but no, the, the helmet looks good. The outfit looks good. The jetpack looks sweet. I mean, it's just a great design, good implementation. Uh, the soldiers' uh, outfits in his entourage uh, look kind of dumb. Um, very, very cheesy, but not cheesy enough, you know. So, again, you know, got to commit. If you're going to go cheesy, go cheesy. But it just looked kind of bad. Um, so not not anything that was, that was great there. The, the designs... This is this is an interesting thing. The designs of the underwater uh, characters, uh, their outfits and things like that were solid. But because of the lighting and the environment, it's really hard to pick them out. It's really hard to, to be able to enjoy them. It's just uh, sensory overload in some instances and in others. You just, again, like I said, the lighting and the background makes it really hard to enjoy that. I mean, there may not have been a way around that one. I, I can't give them too much of a hard time if you're going to be doing a movie that's underwater and you're going to try and make it feel like it's underwater, there are going to be potential problems. Um, yeah. Um, the uh, outfit for King Nearest, it was pretty bad. Um, but on the other side, um, Patrick Wilson's Orm, once he got into costume, that that was solid. I mean, it looked pretty, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was solid. I mean, if you're going to have it basically carried between Wilson and Momoa for the, the two, you got to have some, uh, some solid design, at least on one of them. I thought they did pretty well in the Orm costume. Um, so basically a real mixed bag there in terms of quality of costuming and the props. So they're focusing a lot on a handful of different things, including the tridents. Now, we already saw the previous trident that Arthur Curry had. It's the same trident. Still looks good. I like it. Solid. They brought in the evil trident. Um, as much as I want to slam it, it looks good. I mean, I, I really can't can't fault the design on that one. It actually looks pretty pretty excellent. Um, I thought I was going to go into this and say, yeah, this thing's a piece of trash. It's not. It's solid. Uh, the green glow actually provides some good lighting and some very dark environments so that's actually just a nice added bonus with their design choices um the design of the uh uh kind of cephalopod style uh uh vehicles that are used um not bad i'm mean, not amazing but not bad and the implementation was pretty solid it's very steampunk which is you know a, a nice aesthetic um the uh the guns look stupid <laughs> well, that's not true. That's that's unfair. They look very generic. Um, nothing, but you know, it's it's a laser gun. They're in the it normally it would just be in the background, but they focus so hard on it in a couple scenes. You have to look at it because you know uh, King Nearest doesn't want to give Orm a weapon, so we're looking at the stupid gun, and the gun just looks meh. And then the axe gets looks so much better. <laughs> 
<laughs> the axe looks excellent. So, I mean, it's again, it's kind of a mixed bag. I'm, I'm really nitpicking here. I mean, for the most part, it's, it's pretty solid. I mean, the biggest glaring problem, like I said, is that, that uh, uh, Aquaman suit. That's just, that is just awful. That is like a Liberace nightmare. Um, I'm going to give them an 8 out of 10 on this. Then we're going to go to Location. Location tends to focus around a handful of places. You get to go to, of course, uh, Arthur living with his dad, uh, Tom. And so you get to see their house on the on the edge of the ocean. And you get to be in uh, the Atlantis Kingdom several times. You get to be in the Lost City towards the end. Uh, you get to be in the middle of nowhere on top of uh, somewhere. They don't really say where. You're either in Antarctica or uh, the Arctic Circle or some such thing um at least i don't remember them pointing to where it was um yeah and then the jungle that's above the bad guys uh hideout basically um so this one is also a mixed bag i mean the house is fine doesn't really matter one way or the other the house looks like a house it needs to look like a house it looks like a house it's fine um the ship that uh, Black Manta is commanding that they retrofit is barren. It looks awful. And it's not that it looks bad, but it looks empty. So he's got this big army. It's supposed to be this awesome big thing. And it looks like the inside of a warehouse because they focus on the bridge. And it's this giant bridge that's basically just floor. It's just floor. Uh <laughs> And so it's just like, wow, they're just floating around in this scene and there's nothing there. I don't know if they had plans to CGI some stuff in there after the fact, but it just looks empty. Um, the Lost Kingdom is supposed to be you know, like this kind of buried in ice sort of thing. And it, it looks solid. Um, it didn't evoke anything too terribly interesting. You get flashbacks to what it looked like before. Uh, the fall of that empire, and it looked differently okay. <laughs> it was darker and industrial, sure, fine. Um, the, uh, the the jungle was maybe the most fun bit that they had in terms of an environment. You got to see a lot of, uh, you know, giant insects and giant, you know, carnivorous plants and all that sort of stuff. And um, for some reason, a giant statue in the middle of nowhere that they can kick over a ravine, but that's that's neither here nor there. That's more of a plot thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it did okay. It di it did okay. It's nothing. There were there were a couple of instances that it just didn't look great, uh, especially towards the battle scene in the end. Uh, some of the CGI on that, but I'm going to put that more on the cinematography side. Some of the CGI was bad. Um, but uh, yeah, that as far as they give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of variety, but uh, th it did what it needed to do to give us a, a set so that we could focus on the people doing the superhero-y things they need to do. I'm I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten on this one for the location, um, because it didn't distract for the most part from what needed to to be happening in the main sequences. But let's talk about the score. That one distracted. Okay, so in terms of the actual classical music, you know, the, 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 the swell and, and all that sort of stuff, that part was mostly okay. But 
I understand. I get it. You're trying to do Aquaman as a rebel. Fine. You put him on a motorcycle early in the film just to show this so he could run donuts and circles around this kid that doesn't understand or get it, which is just, okay, whatever, fine. Again, that's a writing issue, not not this. But the choice of born to be wild is so cliched at this point as to be just an awful mistake. And especially if you're going to take it, blare it at the wrong volume, and then remix it later. It was so distracting from any scene that was in. It completely took me out of whatever scene and just made me groan internally. Um, And it's not because the song is a bad song. It's a good song. It's overplayed. If you want him to be kind of uh, that, that sort of a rebel, pick something else. There are so many songs you could have picked. Don't choose the one that is always used. I understand there's shorthand in telling a story. But this is not the time to go into the shorthand that everybody is doing. It's kind of like saying, what's up now? That thing is long dead, has been dead for a long time. And anybody that does it now, you're going to kind of look funny at. Don't use that song. It, it, was, a mis- it was a big mistake. It was dumb. Um, and it was big enough that even though most of the soundtrack was okay, it stuck with me so hard, it makes me deduct points from everything else. Um. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's the the best way to sum that up. I'm giving you a six out of ten on that one. Um, let's go to cinematography. Cinematography. Uh, the fight scenes uh, are important. It's a superhero film, so you need to have nice, clear fight scenes. The fight scenes that were on land were they were pretty clear. Not a lot of jumpiness between places. The cuts were pretty solid. Not bad. Um, the underwater fight scenes, however, oh my God, so messy. And it's not, and it's not the cuts and it's not the camera angle that was used. It is the rendering again of everything. You're underwater. You've got the lighting issue. You've got the background. Everything is distracting from everything else. You got to clean that stuff up if you're going to have a big fight and it's just, it was messy. Um, you know the parts that worked the best is like when Manta does the uh, does the the laser from the eyes, and then it causes that kind of red burn thing. That's enough to stand out. Okay, that's solid. Have more stuff like that. I'm not saying injure more people, but you know, just have have some some variance in color. You've got to have that color variance down there, or it's just a muddled mess. Um, Combine that with the fact that the CGI was incredibly inconsistent. Some of it looked great, and I, I have to I have to shout out some of the stuff. The underwater bar scene, um, the the band they had that they put together in there, the the bar itself and the bartender that was so good. Um, the whole environment that they had uh, was really really solid. Uh, I liked the way that that was put together. It it really. Um, it really stood out as, as, as a nice strong point for the film. But like the, the part where they're climbing up the, the, the bridge towards the end uh, fight scene, the machine rendering for the, the cephalopod kind of machine, they missed layers. It looked flat. It looked like a, a kid's drawing in, in a couple of the frames. I don't, I don't think it was on purpose. I think it just got missed. Um, and there were several things like that that crept in 
in several parts of the film. It's just like they didn't have enough time. Maybe this is an issue with just being overworked because I know a lot of these people are so overworked and underpaid uh, and their deadlines are just unrealistic. Um, but it just, it looked awful. Um, but in other times, like I said, the rendering of the Tridents was really, really solid. I mean, it's just, you got it. It looked good. Um, the outside of the giant ship generally looked really, really good. Um, the battle scenes that they rendered for the flashback looked pretty solid. Uh, the transformation sequence looked good. It's just, like I said, just there are several instances where it just looked really, really muddled, middling. Um, so combine that with, um, well, it's pretty much just the CGI that causes the score being because it's so important in a film like this. And the fact that the lighting was not particularly good on the underwater sections is just too hard to see. And the color scheming was just too flat. Uh, we're going to give that a 10 out of 15. So finally, we get to the meat, the plot, and the writing. You can get 20 points for this. This film is not going to get 20 points. Um, uh, so, okay. Does it accomplish basically what it needs to accomplish? That's the first thing I would start with before I start nitpicking. And I have to say that basically it does. It does the job of telling the story. It gets through without too many stumbling blocks. It's just the dialogue in this film is kind of, it's kind of uncomfortable. It's exposition and points that don't need it. Um, the conversation is very not natural in several parts. It's like they can't decide what tone they want the dialogue to have. And so sometimes it's very serious and sometimes it's not. It's like, okay, that works. Arthur's rebelling. But it's not even just Arthur is the one that's not going to you know, speak like everybody else. Everybody else's speech is kind of all over the place in the way that they interact with each other. It's just kind of weird. Um, that's a minor thing. I mean, like I said, that can be gotten over pretty pretty easily. And it doesn't happen like continuously. There's just a couple, a couple spots where that happens. But could you bite off of other properties any harder? I mean, Jesus. Um, the, the bar scene where I described that I thought it looked so good, it could not have been a harder reference to Star Wars if they had tried. I mean, literally, the bed was a Jabba the Hutt bed with a large guy laying down with scantily clad women. It, it was Jabba. It was Jabba without being Jabba. It's like, well, if that's just the one thing, that's not such a huge deal. No, no, there were more. I mean, there was such a hard ripoff of Lord of the Rings in this. It's not even funny. It's not just the, the nature of the, the, the fight between the big armies and there was the corruption. The corrupt was put down, but they're trying to come back and rise again. The color palettes are the same. The designs of the buildings are basically the same. I mean, it's, it's like somebody just decided we don't have time. What can we rip off and kind of just throw in here that people will kind of recognize and, and overlook? It was so, I mean, you're going to have references. There's no way around it. Nothing is original. But you've got to do enough to make it your own and different that it just doesn't scream that it's from this other property. And I don't think that they accomplished that in this. So combining that with the same problems that the original film had. Now, this is a taste thing. This isn't necessarily a writing error 
but I don't like deus ex machina. I don't like things that are too convenient. And the previous film had a ton of just super convenient coincidences. And that's in this film too. So at least I was prepared for it. I knew it was coming. But there's just so many things like that. And it's just kind of, it's kind of, eh, kind of makes me go want to watch something else sort of thing. I want, I want there to be reasoning behind it. Uh, the news sections um, were, I'm, I'm still not sure. I can't put my finger on why they bothered me. Just the interruptions of the news stories. It didn't, it didn't feel like news. Maybe that's what it is. It's like no news program I'd ever seen. Um, maybe that's part of it. The intro section where they're trying to make, uh, they're trying to do the, the, the introduction. It's like, oh, he's between worlds. He's trying to be king, and he's also trying to raise his son, and it just seems so cheesy. And, you know, it just did nothing for me. It did not make me feel for the character. I mean, it, it did its job in terms of setting up this is the position he's in, but not in a way that made me care. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's a better way to put it than that. Um, the prison that's in the desert so that he can't have water and their reasoning that they are able to do it, that the, the monsters that guard him, uh, well, they resort to drinking blood. Okay. What blood? We're never shown anything in that prison other than Orm and those guys, and the things that they're writing. It seems a little off. And if they're going to put in the in the, in the the desert, couldn't they have just, uh, I don't know, there's got to be some other reasoning. It's like you could say, oh, these, uh, these, uh, 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 these individuals have been genetically altered to be able to breathe air. They're highly advanced in terms of science. Why not? That makes a lot more sense than they like to drink blood instead. Oh, sure. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's the biggest parts. I mean, just the little stuff like that that goes all the way through that it never really seems to it never really seems to track every every single step is completely predictable. Uh, as soon as they brought in the 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 second. The second trident, I go, oh, I bet this is going to corrupt him. It's it's enchanted or possessed. Or, oh, look, it is because it's biting right off of Lord of the Rings. They aren't even trying. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, if they're going to do that, I bet then that they're going to try and swerve it. And since the brothers are fighting, I bet the other brother is going to get a hold of it. And there's going to be a chance that they're going to fight each other. And they've got to find a way to be brothers again. Oh, look, it happened. It was just kind of lame. Um, and then at the very end, the, uh, the, the dropping, uh, the mic type thing when he goes to address the, uh, the UN, uh, and tell everybody that, oh, underwater people are here. And it just, it was just, it was bad. There's no two word, no two ways about it. It was just bad. Um, and again, it's not bad in the sense that it's completely unwatchable, but it doesn't make me really want to love the movie or ever watch it again or recommend it to anybody. Um, so I'm sure a lot of this, since a good chunk of this has got to be in me, I'm going to put some of this on me, just my own personal preferences and tastes. Let's go with a 12 out of 20. Uh, that brings us to a grand total of 68. 
which is somehow the identical score to the previous Aquaman review we did. Um, that's still passing. It's D+. Plus. Um, it's okay. <laughs> that's basically uh, that's right where it should be. I didn't think it was better or worse than the previous Aquaman, so I think that's accurate. But what do you think, dear listeners? Let us know. Like I said, you can contact us on social media. But until next time, keep watching movies, especially if they're based on comics, because those can be some of the coolest. And we'll talk to you next week.